to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie authors on their journey toward publication. I am Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write multiple genres, including Christian dystopian fiction. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Rhonda Hagerman, and I write fiction and nonfiction. Thanks for tuning in this morning. We really appreciate everyone for uh, supporting us in what we're doing. If you would, if you do like what we do, please remember to like and subscribe below. Um, as we do for every episode, uh, we like to start each one out with a segment that we call "What's Up." It's a time to check in with one another and see where we are going with our writing and our personal lives. So, what's up with you, Jamie? Oh, my little boy is growing up. He's going on his first camp out with the big boys of his Trail Life troop. And it's so bizarre to think about because we started a troop up in Flint when my son's or my friend's son was the age that Zachary is now. And at that point, I thought that he was, you know, such a big boy. They were the big boys, right? Compared to my little guy who was running around. And now that's where my son is. And it's just so bittersweet because as they grow and I mean, you, you ladies all know how that is. And so it's just kind of like, he's excited and uh, going off to be independent and um, it's basically called a shakeout. So you get your equipment out, find out how it survived storage since last time you were out camping. He's got a little tent he's not ever been able to put up before. So I'm sending that along with him. And I'm just really excited for him. So that's what's up with me. How about you, Rhonda? Well, um, the only thing I can think about right now is a flight I'm getting ready to hop on. And I'm trying to pay attention to the podcast. I will do my best. <laughs> we so no. appreciate you being here because like we would have given you an out today, but you're like, no, I'm in this. Yeah. Well, I definitely have to miss next week. So I didn't want to do two in a row in a row. You, so where do you sail from? So you said you have a flight first. Yes, we are um, flying from Detroit to Philadelphia and from Philadelphia to Dubrovnik, which is in Croatia. And then from Dubrovnik, we go and sail our way up the coast to Split, which is at the other tip of the country. And then we will, on our last day, we'll fly back from Split back to Dubrovnik and then back home to here. Wow, that's awesome. So exciting. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> I've, I've been wanting to ask you how big this catamar catamaran is that you're going on because uh, the catamaran I used to go on when I was a kid, like fit like four people. And it was oh. just like a hammock. <laughs> and then, but I looked online and I saw these like huge ones that had like thousands of people on the deck. So. Yeah, we usually charter around. It's around forty-five feet. I think this one's a little bit smaller, but it's. I uh, can't remember exactly how long, but I'm sure my husband will yell up if he heard me say. I that. can't imagine my life containing the words. We usually charter. <laughs> you know. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> No, it's great. I, I totally am so excited for you. So yeah, when you say charter, like, is there like someone with the company that's going to be with you? I know your husband oh, is no. a sa he sales. No, no. So it's just you guys. Wow. Yeah, actually, if you look at my husband's family real close, they actually have gills behind their ears. <laughs> because they are such water people. They all grew up sailing. They sailed to, okay, they grew up on a lake and they're, um, they're, Lake Fountain High School, that was actually right across the street from the lake. So they drove their boat to school a lot. They drove the boat to driver's education before they could drive a car. You know what I mean? That's so oh, awesome. I know. So we just, we get the boat. There's no food. There's no people, nothing on it. It's just the eight of us. And we, uh, and you don't eat the whole time. What do you mean? No, no, we provision, we bring our own food and all <laughs> oh, that. Okay. You're like, there's no food. I'm like, it's a, this, this is, is a like diet. Yeah. You, you, you only eat what you cruise. catch, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. It yeah. does. Really, really. So excited for you. Can't yeah, wait to hear about it. And, and it's going to be beautiful. Oh, yes. Oh, the weather over there is perfect this time of year. Supposedly, I've, I've heard. All right, what about you, Tina? Oh, well, my little girl um, had a birthday yesterday. And I'm really tempted to say how old she is, but she probably would kill me because mm -hmm. she's old enough to care that we that I probably don't say how old she is. So I just have to say I don't know how 
you know, how I was able to give birth at two years old, but um, <laughs> it's a miracle. So I was, I was trying to find baby pictures of her yesterday. I, and you know, we're half packed for moving here and have a whole room full of boxes of stuff that's ready to go. And I could not find the pictures, but you know, I did find some when she was little and I put together a bunch of them to put on Facebook for her. And it just makes you think about when your kids were small I can have this one picture of the whole, all of us standing on the shoreline in Staten Island and the New York City skyline is behind us and the Twin Towers are still there. Wow. Um, so it just, you know, it, it just goes along with what Jamie was saying. Like, my kids were all so small then and now they're all adults. Uh, Christopher, who was the baby always, because um, he's 10 years older than the youngest of my older three children. Um, he's 16 now, so... It's just crazy to think about. Yeah, it's interesting. As much as I really enjoyed my children, I tried to focus really hard on enjoying every age and stage and all that stuff. And But let me just tell you, I feel nothing like regret at all at the fact that they are no longer toddlers. Oh, my goodness. I was around <laughs> some, like, jacked up after lunch toddlers yesterday, and I was, like, so glad that that's not my current reality. There's no wishing them back to little. <laughs> right. <laughs> happening. It's it's a really interesting and, uh, you know, life. With my granddaughter, that whole stage went by. So it's just going by so fast. Yeah. And probably because I'm not responsible for her like I was with my kids. Yeah. And we only see her on the weekends. So um, it goes by really fast and she's just growing up and, starting to talk in complete sentences, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And um, pretty soon I'm going to be able to have real conversations with her. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But I don't want it to come too fast. What about you, Jen? What's up with you? Well, keeping in the same theme, apparently, um, my baby turns nine today. Oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday to her. Don't so, cry. I know. Oh, <laughs> golly. She woke up an hour early today. She was so excited. And um, so she's got plans the whole day. Her actual party, we only do parties in our family, like for the big ones, like double digits. So when you turn 10, 13, when you become a teenager, you know, and when they're younger. So like, this is not a big year for that. So we're just having, um, you know, cake and ice cream and gifts at my parents' house tomorrow. Um, so today I told her, I said, you could do, what do you want to do? We'll do something special tonight. Cause uh, my husband's in working evening. So we weren't going to have the party tonight. And she's like, I'm going to go to build a bear. So I already said she could do whatever she wanted. So we're off to build a bear tonight. <laughs> going, we missed out um, on some, well, anyways, we're going to go down to Somerset again and go to build a bear and do that with her. And I'm taking her lunch at school. I would do that every year. And I sit with her at the lunch table and all of her friends are like your mom's here they think it's super cool when a parent does that so just gonna birthday it all up today so that is what I am you know oh, wow. I'm really jealous of you my youngest turns 21 tomorrow Aww. and it's so traumatic for me that I had to leave the country <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I it's hilarious. you guys with the little babies still I'm so jealous well, our chat's already active this morning. Um, Maria says, what's new with me is that I set up a Facebook group a couple weeks Yay! ago. She says, Jen has even joined. Yes, I have. Uh, let me know if you guys would like to join. So, yes, she's doing a great job in her um, in her group. I have to give her that. Um, I, it's really hard. We know that doing Facebook groups, especially when you're like pre, like, like when it's just new for you, right? So um, she's doing a really great job with that. And Robin says, um, hey, what's up involves no children whatsoever, thankfully. <laughs> she said, we have no power. We have power back on and the moat around our house is progressing well. So, yeah. So um, I'm guessing oh, that's from the hurricane that came through that they had no power and have oh, a moat around their house. They've been doing construction. I know that. So, um, yeah. So. Oh. How does. How does. Um. Maria pronounced that R E H. Does anybody know? Regged? Regged? Because it's New England Celtic Kingdom, and I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation. It's Northwest England. It's in. Huh. Regged? Regged? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably like one of those 
really hard grunting rolling R's. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an American thing to say. That's awesome. <laughs> Robin says yes, hurricane and construction. So I'm glad that um, I'm I'm it presumably her husband was fine. Um so we didn't hear to the contrary. So that's an answer to prayer, praise report. Yes. Um, praise. Yeah. All right. Oh, here we go. Maria says yes, but reg with a hard G, reg ged. Ah. So you're good. Yeah. So almost like rugged. Right. It's also Celtic and a hard C. Celtic? Oh, okay. Celtic. Oh. Celtic. Oh, I'm sorry. I lived in Boston for too long. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. What, what do you mean? There are Celts other than in basketball for in Boston? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> that's terrific. Well, it, should that is, be, it should be spelled with a K, but nobody asked me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so that's a terrible transition, but we're going to transition anyway, because we do need to get into today's topic, which is a really chatty one I'm super excited about because I'm hosting and, you know, I tend to be a little bit on the chatty side anyway, but we like to talk about uh, writing craft and um, this week we decided that we're going to be talking about crafting your chapters and Jamie lovely, lovely named this week's episode, The Chapter Chat. So we're going to start off with, first of all, the big picture. What is the general purpose of chapters? Yeah, I think it's, it's um, we can maybe have different opinions about like other things we're going to talk about, like how long they should be and what their purpose is, you know, in your book. But in general, I think that we can all kind of agree that it's a way to divide your writing up in, in such a way that it helps the reader to manage the, the work. Because, you know, you're given 120,000 words, for example, and just one session of that will make you feel crazy. I mean, if you picture reading a big paragraph full of text with like no indentations and how crazy that makes your mind, well, I would think that a book without chapters is going to give you that same sort of uneasy feeling. And it would be a horrible experience for the reader. I agree. Yeah, your your brain needs to take a breath. Mm-hmm. I know I know that's a weird way to put it, but it's really what it is. Like, you just need a spot to breathe, and mm-hmm. um, before you go on to the next. Okay, right. so our brain needs to glow, and our brain needs to breathe. I wonder what other things <laughs> we're gonna have for our brains to do. Yeah. Well, and you I know. I was really surprised um, when I was new in the faith or whatever to learn the Bible didn't have chapters originally. And that they were put in there to kind of help people digest the document um, mm-hmm. in a better way. Mm-hmm. It didn't have verses either. Chapters or verses. Yeah. As a former teacher, I think it's interesting that we teach or we are, we learn growing up that writing that you have to write in paragraphs. That you have to have periods, and there's all these other breaks. But we do not. We don't teach kids about chapters. We teach them what a chapter is, but we don't teach them the purpose of a chapter. Right. So it's because I think in at least in the United States, our educational system is not focused on creative writing. Not at all. It is completely focused on technical writing. Mm-hmm. And um, as a, a, a writer and as an English teacher, I, it was very difficult for me to, to stomach that as a high school teacher. But um, I think that that we learn a lot about it from what we read which means I think that because there's so many different genres and so many different ways of writing, that's why there's so many different opinions on chapters as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right. So because of that, let's talk about some of the differences. Like how long, how long should a chapter be? Isn't that what people always ask? Like, especially yes. in any Facebook group where there's newbie writers or, you know, someone is kind of panicking because they're like, well, I have a chapter that's 8,500 words long. Is is that oh too gosh. long or the mm-hmm. opposite, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so I think that's one of the most right. basic questions people ask. Mm-hmm. I think it has to kind of go along with the book. Um, I used to read a lot of suspense. I used to read like every V.C. Andrews book I read. And I read a little bit of James Patterson and all that. And he's got potato chip size. Uh, he calls them potato chip size chapters because when you're done reading that one oh well the next one's only two pages long i can finish that one and by the time you know it you're done with the book and it really works but like vc andrews her chapters were just long enough to really freak me out and then just like tina said by the time my brain needed to just relax and breathe and ohm for a minute i needed you know that was where the chapter ended so 
But I don't yeah. think there's a rule. James yeah. Patterson has really short chapters too. And he kind of writes, he writes in the thriller genre also. So maybe that has something to do with genre. With the, the thrillers, you want it to be fast paced. Mm -hmm. And I think that having short chapters lends to that. Mm -hmm. I think <clears throat> also you can vary it um, only occasionally. So I know that Stephen King is famous for long chapter, long chapter, long chapter. You turn the pages a paragraph because whatever is special about that paragraph, he wanted to really make sure stood out to the reader. Um, and so writers can be kind of gimmicky with it, right? I mean, you know, even God has a two, oh, that's a, that's a verse, a two word verse, Jesus wept, right? That's right. kind of the thing that people talk about a lot. But anyway, um, doing that is fine. But I think it's interesting how you guys were able to come up with a couple of authors and you say, well, their chapters tend to be about blah, blah, blah. And I think there's something comforting if a reader knows what they're going to get out of your book. So if you have a consistent, I think that's terrific. That I mean, whether it's what we would consider a high word count or a low word count, if it's consistent to you and to your books, I think your readers are going to find comfort there and they're going to um, expect that and, and fall into a good rhythm with you. Do you right. think that it, do you also think that it has something to do with genre as well? Mm -hmm. Because I kind I of feel, so. yeah, I feel like um, when I'm reading something in my genre and I feel like, oh, this is dragging on, it's probably because the chapter is too long. But I know that I've also read different novels where the chapters are super long and I don't notice it. Because maybe the, the not just because it's engaging writing, but because of the genre. Do you think that's a possibility? I think mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Um, you know, the way that we've structured kind of how we're going to talk about this. Um, I know it's it's coming up, so we haven't discussed it yet. But when you think about like what's the point of what you've written, mm -hmm. um, and and that's going to vary by genre, right? So, because right. in a romance, you're going to have to maybe work in um, more character internal head stuff. Whereas with like a cozy or something, you've got to put in a bunch of backstory. And so when you've decided what the purpose of that chapter is, and then I think it's hand in hand with the genre, that's going to kind of make a difference. Right. Should we, should we the pacing of the book? I think the pacing of the, a pacing of a thriller versus a cozy versus a romance versus um, sci-fi it's all different. You yeah. they have the stories have different pacing. And I think sure. the chapter breaks go along right with that pacing. It helps. With right. I think in nonfiction is really the only time that you have to be more specific about your chapters. Oh, because yeah. you, okay. For instance, the book that I've um, maybe or maybe not completed, you'll find out later. Um, if I had like the family homes in this chapter, you look through the list and you say, family homes, I want to look in this chapter. And then you don't want to find them scattered throughout the book. You expect to find them in one specific spot. Mm, just that's really that's good. good. Yeah, because the chapters are, are more or less serving as an outline for the reader, too, as they're looking yes. at the front of your nonfiction book. Mm -hmm. They can kind of get an overview of what they're going to be getting. That's mm -hmm. a really good point, Rhonda. I'm glad you and shared sometimes that. Sometimes when yeah. I'm reading nonfiction, I look at the table with contents and say, well, this is what I'm really interested in. Yes. And I might like completely skip the other chapters and just go to like the homes, like you said, and I expect it all to be there. Mm -hmm. so. Maria is agreeing with, um, I think mostly, I, do you guys hear that beeping or is that on yeah. my end? Okay. Um, Maria is agreeing with what you were saying, Tina. She says, I think chapter length has a lot to do with the plot movement, et cetera. But I also like my chapters to be consistent to the point where I will fiddle with links during editing. I do that as well. Do you guys do that? Do you think? I know we're going to talk about our own systems later, but. Um, not, not so much, but I'm really curious if she then really prefers consistent chapter lengths as a reader. Like it's a real genuine mm. curiosity I have. How do you, how about you, Jen? Like, do you prefer consistent chapter lengths as a reader? Do you notice? And is I, that part of what drives you to keep yours so consistent? I never thought about it, but I think that I do because I, I again, like I want, I, I like to kind of know what's happening. That's what, you know, me, I'm a, a straight up outliner. And I, I, again, I like things as use as devices. So you mentioned this earlier, Jamie, but I like myself to read and to write. I like to, my, my chapters to be pretty consistent but then I like to, if I want to make a short chapter, there's a purpose. There's a reason why I've made it super short. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we can talk about that a little bit later, though, too. Speaking of super short, Robin says that she recently heard a podcast by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son, and he said he'd love to write a book that only had super short chapters, 50 words or something. She can't remember. That would be cool. Jamie, you could totally do that. You could own that (laughs) for sure. So um, let's see. Um, Oh, this is a good point. Maria says it might also to do with whether you're a plotter or a pantser, maybe. I kind of hinted at that. If you have a really comprehensive outline, you might already know what points you have in each chapter and chapter links. So I find that for myself, that um, when I'm kind of planning out my chapters, because, you know, guys, I outline the whole, like, by chapter two, I kind of put things in those chapters knowing, like, about how much it's going to equal. So Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things where you kind of learn your instrument. So... I know a lot better now what my 900 words could possibly contain as, as opposed to a year from uh, before. So like travel back in time and ask Jamie in 2018, how many, how much content is in 900 words that Jamie writes? Well, first of all, it's changed, but second of all, I had no clue. So the more that you write, the more, if you're, if you're an outliner, well, that's going to take me about this many words and you can kind of predict how long the chapter is going to be. And um, it's interesting, though, because as indies and we don't have the industry uh, requirements, right? If you're going to pitch a romance to me, it needs to be 80,000 words, except it's nice to still use those benchmarks and then kind of uh, divide your chapters up like that. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. well, let's look at even what we've talked about the past few weeks. Uh, Look, I had that one chapter that was 3000 words. Do you remember me presenting that to you guys during writing group? And um, it wasn't terrible writing. It wasn't um, the worst thing you'd have read, but there was just something. And it was like, it was over 3000 words. And I, again, I don't want to give away this next segment, but it was long for what I write. And um, it would have been okay if I had put it in there, but I think, and I think you guys would all agree that if that were a chapter in my book, it would have felt long because it just was too much of the scene. And Jamie was, everyone helped in a great way. And then Jamie was able to say, just cut this whole part out. And I was like, genius. And I think that it's going to read much better because it's just more entertaining. We don't feel like we're, um, it's just slower moving. Right. I so recently I, had the same kind of thing where I had submitted something to you guys and it was just, it was really long and I just felt it wasn't right. And so I, I remember telling you guys I was going to sit down and do a two-tier outline to figure out what um, my character's internal motivation for the whole thing was. And I decided to just cut the entire thing because it was just 3,000 words of filler, really. Because mm-hmm. even if something you've written is doing something like I think every chapter has to have a purpose and we're yeah. talking about that. Even there, sometimes like you need to cut some of the purpose out or you can get to the purpose in a much quicker way. So. All right. I just got to share this. I, during in the chat, um, they were, we we're discussing uh, whether plotting or, or pantsing. And I said, hashtag um, team plot. And this is what Robin came up with. Hashtag teams rewrite with a vague roadmap. All so. right, Robin. Yeah, I was going to say I'm a plotzer or a planter, whatever you want Because I, I have probably, a vague outline and then I pants it. I would probably have the ha- same hashtag, but instead of roadmap, I would say roadkill. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of disasters along the way as you try to figure it out. <laughs> All right. So let we've kind of hinted and we've kind of tried not to go too fast, but let's go ahead and get into the purpose of chapter. So I think that that is really the key to it. Like Jamie kind of hinted at I, as far as your chapter, we did mention that, you know, a lot of people will say to you, write in the story, the way it needs to be written. Yeah, we get that, but you also have to have a craft to it. Right. So what would you guys say what, about purpose of chapters? Like, What is the purpose of a chapter? I'll let someone else go first because I've well, been doing a lot. You, you, there's two purposes, and they and they go together hand in hand. You need to get your plot from point A to point B. You also need to get your character arc from point A to point B, and you you break that up into segments. I mean, if you're doing an outline of a, of your character's character arc, you would say, well, here's where she starts, and then this happens and she ends up here and then this happens and she ends up here and this happens. And so that naturally builds itself into chapters 
where if you're looking at your story's character arc, there should be a change in your character from the beginning of, to the end of the chapter. It could be slight, it could be a start of a change of a thought of their way of thinking, um, but there should be a change, not just in the plot, but also in the character. I would um, agree with you, but I would also challenge that perhaps some chapters are just to establish um, those things. So like, how do you know that the character has grown unless you have a baseline from where they're starting? So you may not be moving the character along within that chapter. You may just be establishing this character is too rigid on her ideas about whatever position. And the purpose of this chapter is to demonstrate that to the reader, right? And so I think that it doesn't always have to, the chapter itself doesn't always have to like make a movement, but I feel that it's important to understand what the purpose of the chapter is if you're going to be able to effectively edit as demonstrated with Jennifer's um, piece, because that's what we asked her. We're like, well, what is the point of this chapter? And it's really interesting too, because a lot of times if someone brings work to a writing group and they're like, I don't know, it just feels too long, blah, blah, blah. If you ask someone that clarifying question, it can really help them kind of like see things a little differently. What exactly is my point here? Right. Um, I often use chapters too, just to change point of view, because oh, yeah. I always have two points of view. So um, I will use a chapter to do that as well. I also use scenes to do that. So there are times that Mostly I like to, if I'm going to change a point of view, I like it to be a new chapter. I just think it helps the reader. I think it helps to like, I like to go back and reread books and sometimes just reread certain chapters. Especially at the end, I'm like, like for instance, in um, Searching for Anna, you get to the part in the book where you realize that they're wearing the wrong jackets. And then wait a minute. And then you flip back and you remember the scene where she noticed that the one jacket was too tight on him. So little things like that, I like to go back and reread. Um, so... I think that's good. But there have been times, too, that I just do a scene break. So one chapter will have two different characters, um, points of view that I do a scene break for. But I always, the only reason I would keep them together isn't about length for me. It's more about that it's the same purpose for the chapter. Like I'm, like Tina said, I'm either moving the, the plot forward um, or I, the character arc, those things have to do with each other. So I agree with what Tina's saying, but I also think there are other reasons that I do chapters as well. Anyone else? What about um, with nonfiction, Rhonda? Well, uh, like I was saying before, um, I tried to, okay, so with this one that I just wrote in particular, there were certain things that I wanted to make sure that the people who were reading the book knew about this family. And so I just divided that up. And I started with um, like 21 different chapters. And a few of them, for instance, um, I had one that was friends, one that was um, fun, one that was food. And I ended up um, with the alliteration, just melding that into one because I only had a certain amount of information, but they all work together so well. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. So um, I just try to keep my chapters clean. And if I, have, if I have a chapter that ends up being, say, 17 pages long, then all my other chapters are say 10 pages long. I try to adjust so that there's one that's not half of the book. Right. That has to be difficult. Does it ever mean not including something that you were going to include? Yes. That's the kill your darlings of nonfiction, isn't it? It was, and it was so <laughs> hard. I did feel, cause they're real people. Yeah. Yeah. Literally yours are I mean to me my characters are real to me, yeah. but yours really are real people. <laughs> yes. So yeah. awesome. All right. So we've talked about what should go into a chapter. Let's talk about how we end chapters. Is there a specific rule that you guys have about um like how long your chapter well, we're not gonna talk about length yet, right? But um like what words are necessary? How do you end them? Yeah, it's really interesting for me to think about how in the editing process, I get into my head this whole ideal of like, you have to keep the reader reading, you have mm -hmm. to keep the pages turning, you can't, you know, let them slow down or whatever. But then that battles in my mind with the whole letting the brain breathe advice. And um, 
also like, okay, I need a place to put this book down so that I can finally go to bed. Right. And so, <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I guess sleep I is overrated. It is. It is. <laughs> I'll tell you as a reader, I am a sucker for a cliffhanger. Mm. Um, I, I stay up all night to finish books. Mm -hmm. so. Me too. Mm -hmm. When I'm writing, I have like three things I'm looking at really. I, um, I want to stop at a place of tension that makes the reader want to find out what's going to happen or like what's coming or, you know, just like some little thing. I also um, look at a chapter as a complete story on its own. So there has to be resolution mm -hmm. of whatever's happening in that scene. And the literary writer in me wants it to be poetic mm. at the end. So that, those are the kind of the three things that I think about when I'm ending a chapter. I like those benchmarks. That's good. That is good. Robin says every chapter should end with a question that drives the reader to turn the page. Agreed. And by question, I, I don't think she means like literally a question. Maybe she does. But um, for me, I try to end my chapters with something where it's either a question or like, oh, what's going to happen next? Or like literally... So literally I was uh, sitting with my aunt while she was having her chemotherapy this week. And um, I don't know if anyone's ever gone through this, but it's a very, um, it's, it's a very depressing thing. It's a big open room with a bunch of like hospital seats in it all the way around. And it's very quiet. Everyone's just kind of like sitting there acting like the other people aren't there having the same, it's the same thing happening to them. And it's just, but so my aunt asked me to read to her. She, she's an avid reader, but has been too sick really to read my second book. So I've been reading, I was reading it to her and we got to the one scene in which you guys will understand where um, the scene, the sentence, the last sentence is, um, but what about the baby I carry or the child I carry? And my aunt literally went, oh, and, re <laughs> and her hand reached out and grabbed my arm. And she'd been sitting there. The whole place is quiet, right? And I'm reading quietly. And she's just kind of sitting there with her eyes closed, just trying to relax during this whole thing, you know. And she, like, literally did that. Um, and that, first of all, was cute. But second of all, I'm like, I did it. I did it with that chapter because that's what you want. You want someone to go, oh, and then I'm like, should I stop now? I knew she was going to, what she's going to say, but I went, should I stop now? And she's like, no. And then she, cause she wanted to know more. Like, what do you mean child? What? And so that's what, that's at least in romance, that's what you want. But I think in every kind of fiction in nonfiction too, you want to have them not want to put the book down. So, yeah. Um, I just have to say, you just gave me goosebumps telling me that story. Oh, I wish yeah, that was a good story. I wish everyone knew my aunt, like everyone who knows her, like just loves her. But anyway, so, okay, moving on. So um, somebody had done some research. Was that you, Jamie? The Well Writers Digest had some answers for us on this. Yeah. So let's imagine you have a big monster chapter. It's like 3,000 words. Oh, let's and, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have several. But unlike Jen, you review it and you decide that every word is necessary. You need to keep these 3,000 words. But you want to break the 3,000 words down in more manageable chunks. So how do you decide where to end your chapter? What Writer's Digest has some answers for us. They had an article, Three Ways to Know When to End Your Chapters. And it was written by Aaron Elkins. First, the advice is to focus on the writing first. And deciding where to insert your break, some writers make chaptering part of the outline, but people, um, this uh, writer says that you write the chapter first and then evaluate the structure second, okay? Yes. So in other words, this is not something that you, you worry about, I'm going to type until I get 1,800 words done, right? Like you don't think about the chapter length. Then break your chapters when the story requires a shift. So a change of point of view, like Jen was saying, a change of time or change of place. Sometimes your story will just tell you when there has to be a new chapter. And finally, their advice is break your chapter in the heart of the action, which is kind of what we're yes. talking about with this cliffhanger act, act thing. And you'll notice like, what about the baby I carry isn't really action. Like I picked up the machine gun and aimed it at the alien. Like that's also action, right? So there's many different ways to define heart of the action. But a good rule of thumb, according to this article, is to ask yourself, how can I end this part 
So the sleepy reader is compelled to keep the light on if only to see how some crisis turns out or how some crucial question is answered. So I thought that that was pretty good advice. And if there's a way to link this, um, we will figure that out. <clears throat> but again, it's from Writer's Digest. That's awesome. Uh, Maria says, let me pull it up here. Um, LOL, you think monster chapters are 3,000 words? <laughs> now, Maria, Maria writes historical um, fiction, so they tend to be longer, too, as well. So uh, we have a question. Do you have parts to your books writing? Wait, do you have parts to your books writing have as well? I tend to have four roughly equal sections. Oh, parts. Yeah, do I don't write long enough to have parts yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jamie has beginning and end. There's the part. That's it. No murky middle for me. What about you, ladies? Do you guys have parts in your writing? I guess if you want to call like the four act structure that there's like act one, act two, act three, act four. Yes, but I don't plan to like put act one, act two, act three, act four as separations in my book, which I have had. I have read books that do that. Right. Yeah, no. um, I I seem to remember like isn't Gone with the Wind has like parts, yeah, you know, and, um, I, and I think The Hobbit does so mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, so I yes, I think that we that I do, Maria, but I but I again like like Tina, I don't label it. So I do the four X structure as well, um, and so or the, I do the three X structure, but my my second act is like twice as long, and I have a. a stopping point in the middle of that. So I think technically I do, but I don't label it. But if well, I then, were to do it longer, I think that, that longer pieces need to have that because then I've, I've been reading books that have that and you get to that first, the first quarter, you end the first quarter and then you're like, because <gasps> it's always going to be some sort of disaster or, or major event. And then you see that it's a new section and you're like, so it gives you like up that break and that, you know, that like, oh, that was like mm -hmm. it. Right. So. I would like to ask for people who write longer, you know, for parts as an indie, um, would you consider instead of writing a book with three parts, writing three shorter books for the purposes of getting sales? Like, I don't, I don't really know because that's not how I write or what I do, but mm -hmm. from a business pers perspective, you wonder, although yeah. it does require then three covers and three blurbs and all the expense and time that goes into publishing, but would you not be um, maybe leaving money on the table to give the whole thing in one massive tome? Um, I, I don't know um, because it's been a long time because it seems to me when I read parts, they're very decided. This part was, you know, this decade or whatever in this family's history. You know, so I don't know. That's just something I think for an indie to consider. It's another I choice. I think it's a great point, though. I think that like it's probably genre driven. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it's something that, that everyone should consider if you have a longer work. It, studies show, statistics show that, especially for indie authors, putting out more quickly and putting out more works, you're going to make more money. So it's something to think about. Definitely. Marketing. It's a good marketing strategy if that's what you decide. Right. Oh, Barb says... I think those with parts as mm. being sagas. Yes, I agree with that as well. Mm -hmm. So, Hi, Barb. Hi, Barb. <laughs> Hello, Barb. All right. So um, I, did I bypass the part where we were supposed to talk individually about what nope. we did? So are we <laughs> at that part? In one of those days, ladies. So I think the only thing we didn't talk about is if we should, like, name your chapter. Oh, Yeah. So what Harry. You no, just kidding. Not like, oh, little Susie, I had to chop eighteen hundred words from her today. That's not what I mean. Do you I ladies mean, like name you know chapters? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they should all have numbers, but do you have names as well? I think I in nonfiction, I think they should be named. Yeah, in nonfiction, you think they should? Mm -hmm. Yeah, names are helpful that... in nonfiction. Mm -hmm. You want to know what you're reading about, right? right. I wasn't really concerned about this subject until the first time I went to self pub and I looked at that table of contents and I'm like, that's the most boring looking thing I ever saw in life. Chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And it's just like, which is a ridiculous reason to do something like put names or whatever. Jen, uh, you like to name your chapters, don't you? I do. 
Uh, I like to read books that have name chapters, but I also like to use it again as a device. Um, I like to have the names of my chapters hint at what is coming, but you don't really understand what that it's hinting. If that makes and, sense. Like yeah, after you've read the chapter, then the title will make sense. I like another it thing I you that. like to do is put like a little quote, right? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. is that a romance specific thing or it is a romance specific? Th- well, I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen it in romance, but um, maybe historical as well. And maybe um, women's lit. Maybe. I've seen it in dystopian, too. Oh, there you go. So, so. It was like a quote from Revelations kind of thing. At the oh, beginning. that's so there cool. isn't a rule, basically, is what we're saying. It's really author's choice. I think so. And I've been wanting to say this this whole episode. I, I don't know if I read it or somebody said it to me, but I got this writing advice one time a long time ago. And it said, make sure you're an expert in knowing exactly what, how things are supposed to be and then change them however you want. <laughs> but first, make sure you know. Yep. Well, that's part of being an indie, right? Yeah. We, we don't have to follow the rules. However, we should choose to follow the rules when, it, when it's important, right? Because but you should know to- the rules and then yeah. make a conscious decision to, to not follow them. Instead of accident, not, you know, instead of not knowing what you're doing and it just being done like by the seat of your pants. I think yes. that's agreed. Because you want just same thing as is with book covers. You want to blend in with your genre enough to where you appear to be the, in the right spot so that somebody who's shopping for your genre sees yours and it is, is pulled to hold to it. But you also want to stand out a bit, right? So same thing with everything else you do. As an indie, you want to to follow the rules, blend it enough, but then you make yourself unique in your own certain way. Yeah. So, um, one thing that helped me really understand that is, um, I'm a glass blower. My mother is a potter, and there are certain things that, in order for these things to be usable objects, you have to follow certain rules of physics. And they're like for heating them, um, annealing, uh, just so many different rules. And if you don't follow those, it's going to be a disaster. But once you have those rules understood and they're in your mind, then you can mess with them all you want. And I never really understood how important that was in writing as a younger person until I learned how important these, the baseline rules were in these other things. And um, wow. I don't know if that's helpful to anybody else, but they are hard and fast. My son's doing able. physics this year. Can we come watch you blow glass as a field trip? Sure. <laughs> all right. So let's all talk. Let's wrap this up and let's have a real quick conversation about what do we each do? We talked about it a little bit. Does anyone have anything that they want to share about what they do specifically for chapters that they haven't already shared? The only thing I really wanted to say was when I sit down to write, like I have, it's, I think it's instinctual maybe because when I write organically, my, all my chapters tend to be around the same length. So okay. I don't know, something in my brain just says, okay, it's time to be done. All right, anyone yeah. else? I would just say that I agree with the advice from the article, write it first and then worry about that sort of thing later. Don't stop yourself because it's been a prescribed number of words. Good. I would say for myself, um, I think at least for me, 2,500 words is my, is kind of my goal. All my chapters are somewhere around 2,500 words, unless I am doing some sort of device where I want to be short and move fast. Um, But I just write it. Um, But the fact that I edit, um, that I, I mean, I outline and then I write it, then that's kind of brings it around to 2,500 words. So I really hate to do this while we're live, but I'm getting a ton of phone calls. My phone is um, is blowing up. So I'm going to step off. And want, can you ladies go ahead and we're going to start sharing right now? This is the time. Jamie, would you mind taking over, please? Sure. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Okay. So um, who likes to be first? I know Tina doesn't like to be last. So let's let Tina be first. Tina, let, every, Ooh, to be let first. the folks at home know what the words were today, Tina. Okay. The words were benefit number, home, accessible, and owl. All right, and what did you come up with with those awesome words? And I just have to give the caveat that I have just been waving at the words Mm. for (laughs) several weeks now on the way by because I've been trying to write uh, in my world of my novel that I'm trying to revise and edit 
And I found that trying to write in another world and then go to editing was just really doing my brain in. Right. Um, so I'm trying to write in Angelica's world. So that's why I have not used all the words. I think I used one. So here we go. After another restless night, well into another dreary day, Angelica found herself standing at the top of a cliff, looking down at the turquoise river as it slithered off into the horizon. She looked behind her, half expecting Donovan and his men to be standing there waiting to drag her home, afraid to even think about the creatures in the smoke she'd envisioned the day before. However, there was nothing there but the aspens waving at her as the wind blew through their branches. Pulling off her pack, she squatted down and felt through the contents, hoping to find one last piece of pemmican or dried fish that may have fallen from its wrapping. In the river, there was plenty of fish for the taking and the tender shoots of grasses and weeds that were edible growing along its banks. Up here, all there, were, all there was were aspen and birch and the moss that covered the rocky ground. She needed to find a way down to the river. Chugiak whined, nudging her hand with his nose. Sorry, boy said. The sooner we find a way down there, the sooner we eat. Chigiak barked once and took off in the direction of the ravine they'd been following, as if he'd understood every word. Angelica followed. She'd learned a long time ago to trust Chigiak's instincts. They had gotten her out of tight spots before. Like the time they'd been out in the forest and lost, and lost track of time, it had gotten dark and Angelica, only seven at the time, had lost her bearings. Chugiak had led her out and right up to where her father stood, hands on hips and a scowl on his face. She imagined that was the look he'd have when he saw her again, if he saw her again. Chugiak's barking ahead made Angelica break into a jog, and when she broke through the trees to where he was, there was a little clearing. The way it was perfectly round gave it the appearance of being man-made, and the log across the ravine, three, two, one. Oh, wow. I was lost with you there in that little um, scene. And now yeah. it's over. <laughs> I know. I know. I really appreciated all the foraging. I was really interested in her uh, her diet. Oh. I just love the tone of all of these little pieces. Um, I've been blessed to be sprinting with Tina during our office hours every day. And she's been coming up with the these pieces. They all have the same flavor. And they're... It's a really good voice. It's really good storytelling. I'm just like very excited about the progress that you're making in these little word sprints. I'm so glad you've decided to stick with them and keep doing them. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Rhonda, you want me to go next or you want me to Sure, next? go ahead. <clears throat> the accessible owl stood on the corner of 14th and Main. Its facade was white painted brick and the signage was large black and white striped number with curly Q teal font. Walking down, winking down on Amy from its left side was a chubby chalk outline owl. Home accessories and necessities was printed in a puffy thought balloon artfully painted over the owl's head. What am I doing here? Was what floated around in the thought balloon over Amy's head. <coughs> She stood staring up at the winking bird and tried to recall what madness had possessed her to accept the invitation from the perfectly coiffed, expertly manicured stranger she'd chatted with after her son's symphony performance in the middle school gym the night before. She'd endured two songs before wincing, and as her head turned with the act, she'd caught the eye of the woman next to her, who turned out to be named Dolores and whose face mirrored the sentiment Amy herself was feeling in the moment. And they'd shared a quiet chuckle over their mutual suffering. After the concert over styrofoam cups of watered down punch, the two somehow managed to hurdle all preliminary small talk topics and dove right into a commiseration over lost love and the struggle of bringing up children without a partner. And somehow I agreed to come here for this, Amy muttered. A pair of chattering women brushed past her and entered the shop, and in the updraft they sent in their passing, she could smell the odor of pan-fried garlic that clung to her shirt. She cursed herself for not changing after making dinner and checked the time. It was too late to get home and get back. She'd have to go in smelling like a pan full of stir-fry or never go in at all. She turned and stuck her hand in her jeans pocket to fish out her car keys, but was stopped by a near collision. 
Dolores stood before her carrying a massive cardboard box. I'm so glad you made it. Yes, me too, Amy said, and even she wasn't sure whether she was telling the truth. Hmm. I like that, that last really good. That last sounds would make me turn the page. Oh, good. I yeah. love the finger ending. Yeah. I don't understand people that are worried about that they smell like food. No. Oh, I, I know. It makes me like them more, really. Yeah. I like the smell of food. Unless I'm sitting next to you in church and you smell like bacon and there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> and you're making me hungry. Then I might have issue. That's awesome. Has that happened to you recently? Um, when I was little, it used to happen all the time. But I was like, when I was little, I was always hungry. I don't know what was wrong with me. Like, always hungry. <laughs> that was, What I heard, Jamie, that was good. Yeah, I always enjoyed listening to you. I appreciate that. Well, you're back. Do you want to share your uh, your handful of words? So yeah, um, before anything else falls apart, that's probably great. Uh, well, you no, know what? We, fine. you know, I it was everything's okay. I hope with your phone calls. Um. Yep. Okay. It'll good. Be, All right. Got. Yep. It right. will be. <laughs> oh. Okay. No, it's fine. All right. So as soon as this sprint was over, my first words were, "Well, those are words." So very little expectation of this. Um, it is not. Um, creative nonfiction, though, <laughs> though this may be uh, something that could have happened. So <clears throat> I looked up at the dormer, the part of my home that protruded from the roof and frowned. Are you certain that is the only spot that is accessible? That's what the expert said, my husband answered, but we'll know for sure in a few days. I nodded and turned toward the shoebox looking contraption on the post at the back of our property. And is that thing really necessary? I want them gone, not just housed somewhere else on the property. <laughs> My husband smiled. They really are a benefit to the ecosystem, you know. For what? Feeding the barn owls? Do owls eat bats? I quickly pulled out my phone and opened Google. After a few swipes and taps, I placed the phone back in my pocket and nodded satisfactorily. Yes. Yes, they do. Well, from what I can tell, there are a number of bats living in our attic. The owls must be pretty happy around here. I shuddered. I wasn't certain I even liked owls, but I was certain that I liked them better than bats. Can we just call an exterminator? I hate them. No. Why not? Because it's illegal. My jaw dropped at this. It's illegal? That's impossible. But before he had a chance to defend himself, I once again pulled out my phone. To my shock and great disappointment, my husband was correct. Bats are both state and federally protected. Wow. I, stayed, I stared at the screen. My husband slid his arm around my shoulders. Don't worry, dear. I'll protect you from those scary little beasts. As he, three, two, one. That's it. Uh, so, see, you're kind of, uh, well, those were words, but you did a couple of really neat things there. And the one that sticks out is after a few swipes and taps, because that's exactly the sort of thing where I've said before on the podcast, you want to say she checked her phone and you just kind of feel like it's really boring to say she checked her phone and it's the kind of thing that'll hang you up forever. Like, uh, and you just spit that right out there during a 15 minute sprint. So that was a little nugget of just cool, awesome um, descriptive text there. It was great. Yeah. I appreciate that. And that's honestly one of the things that I, as I was writing it, I thought, cause I don't think I'm ever going to use this, but I might use that part. That's mm -hmm. definitely something that I could throw in that mm -hmm. I agree. Thank you. And her character, the character came out really strongly. Her, like, her sassy attitude. And <laughs> I, gosh, I she didn't remind I me at all that. of anybody I actually know. But. I wonder where <laughs> I pulled that character from. <laughs> you need to print it and put it in your family genealogy folder. Oh, uh, but yeah. it's not, it didn't really happen. I could... Oh. I actually could sit down and write what did happen during my Facebook Live when I was outside. Yeah, that was great. Well, you know what, though? <laughs> Still, Rhonda's point stands because you just say, well, this is just a little creative nonfiction. But remember how we struggled with bats in the summer mm -hmm. of 2009. So, I mean, it's exactly. kind of like it doesn't have to be uh, necessarily biographical or mm -hmm. whatever, autobiographical. Mm -hmm. Good right, point, well, Rhonda. You. That's Thanks. really neat. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I think if more people treated journaling like that, they might be more inclined to stick with it. Yeah, maybe. Like, what if you sat down to journal every day, but you just kind of, like, wrote a story about your day instead of actually writing what happened that day? That could be fun. Yeah, That would be like daydreaming on paper. That yeah, yeah. 
Really? Isn't that what we do for a living anyway? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm a... Well, Jen, before you hopped off, we did not get to Rhonda, so we still have to hear Rhonda's uh, All right. words. Okay. Um, mine is an exercise. I'm trying to see what my character's neighborhood looks like, so we will learn together. Okay. An owl is calling the distance. What a mournful sound. You're not bringing me down today, Woodsy. Not today. I continue on down the path, not slowing my stride for, one, for my one-sided conversation. I've been walking every morning for a month now, and the benefits are starting to show on my mood. And now I glance down. I can see the ever so slight definition in my calf. I wouldn't call it a muscle yet, but something that is dreaming of becoming one someday. <laughs> Turning off the wooded path and onto my street, I begin counting down the house numbers. 351, old Mr. Slade's pace, place. He's out picking up sticks as usual. I wonder for a moment what he does with them. Does he have a secret stick mountain in his shed? <laughs> An image of him playing pickup sticks in his backyard makes me laugh aloud. It startles me. I don't remember laughing on these walks before. <laughs> Mr. Slade behind me now. I see Mrs. Do Ms. Dooley on the porch. She's in her silk bathrobe, leaning on the threshold and talking to Mr. Potter, our mailman. She's laughing at something he just said, but I doubt it was funny. I've heard his jokes before. Now she's tossing her hair over her shoulder with one hand, the other on her decolletage, ever so modest. They don't notice me walk by. Mr. Bonk does, though. He's in his garage workshop working on some major, some project or another. He's covered in sawdust from head to toe, probably from that pile of wood at his feet. He stops sweeping and leans on his broom. Good morning. How are you? I call out to him, not slowing my pace. You better hurry. They're going to catch you, he teases, <laughs> referring to some imaginary pack behind me. All right. I'll pick up the pace. I play along. The end. Love. Oh, I <laughs> love this whole thing. This You're not going to bring me down, Woodsy. <laughs> yeah. The whole, like, the guy collecting sticks. I had a guy in my neighborhood like that. And my next-door neighbor, yes. And the lady flirting with the mailman. Yup. Like, the, I know this neighborhood. This was yep. That was very well done. I love it. I want to know where all those sticks come from. Like, if he picks them up every day, how is there more sticks? I know. How is the tree not totally bare? I think he goes out at night and puts the sticks back. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, back maybe he does. That Thank would be you. so great. That would be so great if that were true. Like, that would be so funny in the story. That is That's hilarious. awesome. Just to give him something to do. But that would... That could tell you more about the character too. Like how sad is his life that that's all he has, right? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's so funny too. Like I could picture a little ponytail swinging and the little, yeah. you know, pace as, as the houses here they come. They don't even see me going by. I mean, yeah, who hasn't been there? Just kind of the self narration. Yeah. Mr. Bonk is an awesome name too. Yeah, oh, thank you for the one who's going to stop and lean on his broom and tease you. It's yeah. great. Well, I'll I tell you. That character is actually modeled on my dad. And Aww. I chose the name because in a census, our name is completely misspelled as B-O-N-K. So, oh, oh, that's so cute. That I, is I like that. I love egg. the voice of this character. Like the voice of the narration. I just really, really like this. I, I want to read a whole book of that. I love that. Oh, good. Well, you may have your wish. Yay! All right, so we're out of time, right? So we can skip accountability corner, except for Rhonda. Only Rhonda can do accountability corner. Uh, how we can I, I vote yes. That sounds yeah. like a great idea. <laughs> okay, well, are we starting accountability corner? Yes. All right, well, like you said, it is 11 o'clock, and I do have to. My husband is, like, getting ready to start the car. So um, let's see. Today we were talking about cliffhangers in our chapters, right? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. here you go. <laughs> that was awesome. That's that was the best ever. Best ever. Just the knife in the gut. You know what? Just for that, I'm gonna make a head on a stick that's just like a stick figure with just some freckles and like yarn for hair or something that's not a printed out. And then that's gonna be Rhonda, and she's gonna come in here and say, "So I finished. So did she finish her book?" I don't know. Uh, we're not going to wait. That's the, she that's just didn't want to do accountability card. I don't even think he's ready yet. She just didn't want to do accountability corner. <laughs> I guarantee it. We all know Rhonda well enough. She's she did say that. a cliffhanger. So mm. I guess we mm -hmm. won't know if she finished her book till two weeks from now. Well, all I know is I'm excited when, for next week because I think we sh should all have our own Rhonda on a stick and see, like, and have like, a little Ooh. competition. Yeah, mm -hmm. we can have voting. Yes. Mm, that sounds like fun. Yep. Hope I remember or I'll lose. 
I could just yeah. lose. <laughs> All right. So let's really get into accountability. Nine. Well, since you made the noise first, Jamie, you get to go first. Here's the thing that I, you know, as we're getting ready for the podcast, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to tell everybody that I stink again. But what I realized is since I stopped worrying about office hours on Saturday and I've never done them on Sunday and now I have co-op on Thursday and the podcast on Friday, I'm really only doing Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And so the progress that I made is really not so bad for six hours, but it feels like I did nothing. And um, uh, I will have to say I did not do anything yesterday during the um the co-op hours that I had available to me, I was on the phone with somebody, which is very valid. You have to make the phone calls sometimes, especially if you're right. trying to keep connections, but boo. I mean, I guess I did. Okay. I, I went through a couple of chapters, but it really doesn't feel like I made any progress. I'm like, how did a whole week go by, but I'm just going to have to intensify and redouble efforts. Maybe pick up making Sunday like a work day again, because I'm never going to get anywhere at the amount of effort that I've been putting in. It's just the bottom line. So there's no other way to do it than to just do it. So I'm going to um, do office hours tomorrow. I'll work for at least two hours and um, continue with, if I show up for office hours, I'm not done after the sprints. I'm doing two hours of work on my book. So that's my commitment for next time. All right, what about you, Tina? Well, like like Jamie, I had co-op this week, but mine's on Monday. Um, and so then I did office hours Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I it seems like, you know, that's not a lot of work, but I'm really happy with the progress I made. Yeah, I you actually, had glowing happiness in our private messaging, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually made it through two chapters, and I'm on a third chapter, so... Um, and I think these sprints are real, you know, the one chapter that I was reading, I just completely, I just hit delete and I put in the sprints that I had done because the sprints were the same part of the story. Um, and I was just trying to get in her head so that when I went in there to revise, I was in her head. And I liked what I'd written better. So I just put the sprint in there. Oh, Tina, I hope that you can recall it because it would be an amazing exercise to have the two to compare someday down the road. And, and so that you can say for somebody else who might be struggling finding the story versus saying what happened. And, and then you could say, see, read this, now read this. And, right. and it'll ex demonstrate exactly what I'm talking about. I think on one of them, I did like actually cut it and then put it in. I had my Scrivener, I have a file that says cut scenes. Right. And I just stuck it in there. So for one of them, I did do that. And the other one was just so bad, I just deleted it. <laughs> so, but I'm going to, my plan is, I'll I'll come tomorrow to, with you to office hours. Because I don't have Athena this weekend. So um, I should be able to do that. Awesome. So, um I just continue with more of the same is my plan and hopefully make the same kind of progress. That's awesome. What about you, Jen? Well, um, if our office hours were real and we were actually working for a company, I would have been fired long ago, at least after this week, I for sure would have been fired. Um, cause life has just totally gotten in the way. Um, I got a whole lot of nothing done this week as far as my career, but I got a lot of things straightened around and organized for my aunt and figured out insurance issues. And that's just where my life is right now. And yeah. uh, that between that and my children, which was what the phone call was about, was uh, an issue that my, uh, so like my children right now need me. One of my children needs me at school. And so um, that's just been my life right now. And so I just, I cover your, covet your prayers, honestly, because I know that, that these books in my career is, is God. It's his hands. And um, I'm not going to be able to accomplish anything without him. So for next week, um, I don't have chemo. Well, my aunt doesn't have chemo. So I don't have to go to chemo. But we have like three doctor's appointments. And um, also have to start. Um, she has asked me to start um, packing things up. She wants the house to start being taken care of. And wants um, like there are things that she wants given to certain cousins. And she wants to do that now. And um, it feels weird to me because she's still here um, to start like going through her house, but that's going to bring peace to her. So this is what we're going to do. So that has to start next week. 
Um, so I just pray, uh, I would want you guys to pray for me to help me to find where I can fit my career in over the next couple weeks or a couple months, hopefully. I don't know. Well, I well, would just like to challenge you because if you think about this as actual office hours, you should think about it more like the hairstylist who rents stalls in a building that has hair cuttery or whatever at the top. And then you come in and you make the money when you have the time. So you're not going to get fired, first of all. And second of all, you know, this is a very special and precious time in life and you'll never get a do over there. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous to kind of say there will there will be time to work on your career later. And you may just want to instead of really trying to write much of anything, maybe you need to be journaling after you come home from mm -hmm. spending time with your aunt. And even if it is fictional or whatever, then you're memorializing this time for your children who are very young and for um, just like for the future. So you you you're writing and it feels like craft or something but it's also a nice keepsake and something maybe good for your heart to do yeah and i was gonna say as one of the managers of this company i hereby grant you compassionately yes oh. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely i appreciate i appreciate all you ladies so much i really do because um it's good to have friends when you're going through this but it's good to have like work friends too like you guys are just the, the best and and having um just the foundation of Christ in each of our lives just makes a big difference too. So I really um, hope that we can somehow figure out how someone else can take on some more of the tech part too. So you don't have stress upon stress, just trying to figure that stuff out. So we'll have more conversations yeah. off camera about that. Well, and then today was just a bad day. Tech yeah. issues. And um, yeah, so like, yeah, we'll figure that all out. But all right. So in our chat, Robin says that her accountability, her work in progress is inching toward being done. Yay. And next week is her third anniversary and they're going to go away. Uh, so no writing or office hours. I don't blame you. Yeah, that's very important. Uh, Maria says that her goal is continuing to do edits on her third novel. Also proofreading a friend's manuscript and doing stuff in the stuff in the Facebook group. That's good. Um, also because of the group and doing content, I've actually done two blogs in two weeks. There you go in a Yay! row. Um, before that, her blog was buried in dust. We all, we know that. <laughs> Mine's in there somewhere in the dust. Right. So it's been good. That's great. Um, and then, oh, Robin says, sending lots of love to you, Jen. Thank Aww. you. I, I really appreciate that. Barb, where's your accountability? Barb, yeah, I know Barb. you're still there. <laughs> Barb. So, so that's it. So. All right. Well, that was a good a good chat today. I really appreciate that. I really enjoy talking about all that with ch the chats with the chapters and stuff too. Those of you that um do listen to us and or uh, watch us on YouTube, maybe uh, live or even in the replay, because we have a lot of a lot of people that watch the replays. Um, we are interested interested to know and what you would like to have us talk about. If there is a topic in writing or it's Christian publishing or Christian indie publishing that you have questions about or um, would like just to have a discussion on a chat, let us know. Reach out to us on Twitter, tweet to us or uh, message us um, and let us know because we would love to hit the points that you are dealing with right now. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Anything else, ladies? Nope. All right. Well, then that means that this concludes the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. So until next week, may your pen be prolific, may your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Bye now. Bye. Bye.